Hey everybody, this is Senior Pastor Joshua B. Carson saying thank you for tuning into the CT Podcast. We hope that your time here, whether you're driving down the road or whether you're sitting at home with a journal and listening in, we hope that it's effective. Maybe it'll be inspirational, encouraging. Maybe it'll be thought-provoking. Regardless of what session you're listening to, we truly pray that this is a benefit to you and to your family. God bless and enjoy the podcast. Now, I made a mistake on Sunday when we were closing. I was in a, uh, a space where I was just worshiping and excited. And I said, starting a new series Wednesday night. And that's next Wednesday night. Some people were like, so you're not finishing the fruit of the Spirit. Um, it's funny that one of tonight's uh, attributes of the fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. <laughs> so, thank you. Turn your attention tonight to Galatians chapter 5. So good to see everyone. So thankful for what the Lord has done over the last week. Great Thanksgiving week. What a powerful move of God here on Sunday. I'm, I'm appreciative of what the Lord is, is doing. He is a personal God. He does care. He is moved by the feelings. Amen. Amen. It's good to see you in the house of the Lord this evening. So one, one final week here, we're going to discuss this. We've been talking through this series, Tipping the Scales has been our, has been our series on this fall fruit of the Spirit. I want to be what the Lord wants me to be. Those attributes are necessary. They're critical. Psalm 119 and 130, I've read it as the Lord really gave it to me for this series at the beginning of each one of these Wednesday nights, 119, 130, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. There is nothing like the word of God. Galatians 5, through 25, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law, and they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Amen? Tonight we're going to deal with gentleness, long-suffering or patience, and temperance or self-control. We're going to deal with these three final elements here um, I think the Lord wants to speak to us and help us here tonight. Would you, would you pray with me right now that his word might go forth with liberty, that we might grow because of our time in the book tonight. Lord, we love you. We thank you for scripture. We thank you for your love for us. I thank you for these great people, for what I believe you want to do in this service here tonight. I pray that you would help me to teach more than anything with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I plead the blood over every person that's here. I pray that you'd help us open our understanding, not just our understanding, but our actions. Help us to get our actions in alignment with your word. I pray it in Jesus' name and let everyone say amen. Amen. You may be seated here tonight. We're going to start with gentleness. Everybody in your nicest voice. I mean, 
I mean, the nicest voice. I want you to pretend you just got hired and you're the person that answers the phone. You ever, you ever call somewhere and the person who answers the phone, you know immediately they got the wrong job. <laughs> Last thing you want to do is call the church, need an answer, call the church and somebody, yeah. How many remember teaching your kids how to answer the phone? Some of you are like, it's still a work in progress. It's still, don't answer the phone, yeah. A lot of kids answer the phone, what's up? Mm. So everybody in your best, most gentle, you just got the job in your most gentle voice, I want everybody to say, hello. There you go. Didn't that feel good? Some of you didn't do it. That's all right, we're going to talk to you right now. <laughs> what does gentleness really mean? This praoutes in Greek, the most actually untranslatable of the words. It's when you're trying to convey its meaning into English, this is a tough one, but the New Testament, it has three, three main meaning, meanings. It means being submissive to the will of God. How many know we're supposed to pray thy kingdom come? Thy will be done. I'm going to I'm going to give you a part of this gentleness that we don't always tie to the fruit of the Spirit, but I need you to hear me clearly. This is a part of the fruit of the Spirit. When it comes to the gentleness, this attribute of the fruit of the Spirit, it's thy will, not my will. Thy will be done. I'm submitted to your word to be a gentle spirit unto the Lord. It means being teachable, not too proud to learn. James 1. What does it mean? I want to be teachable. If you are the type of person that no one can teach you anything anymore, first of all, may the Lord be with your spouse. But secondly, may the Lord be with you. Because part of the fruit of the Spirit is to remember, until he calls me home, I'm on the potter's wheel. I'm learning. And I'm not, I'm not simply talking about the latest book that so-and-so releases or drops or the, the latest theory you found on the internet. I'm talking about being teachable by the Word of God. Has anybody found alongside me that you can read a story a hundred times, you read it that hundred and first time, and all of a sudden you see the Word of God in a new way? It is so deep and it is so revelatory. It is simple to understand at face value and yet it is revelatory enough that you cannot outmature the text. Oh, somebody hear that right now. A gentle spirit, that part of the fruit of the spirit is that gentle spirit that says, oh God, I can't go a day without getting into your word. I, I, you know, if you, were, if you were here today and you could say, well, I can, I can quote the entire book of Psalms, I would tell you, open it tomorrow and read it again. What do you mean? I can quote it all. Open it up. His word is alive. And I have met a lot of people who can quote what they won't live. <laughs> it's the difference between a mind and a gentle spirit that can live it out. But most often, its meaning in the New Testament is what you would think being considerate. Considerate. Ladies and gentlemen, what does it really mean to be 
considerate. This, this attribute of the fruit of the Spirit to be considerate to one another. Maybe a certain sense of mildness or meekness. The understanding that when someone brings something to me, how is my demeanor? Think about that. I know it's very simple, but I, I want us to think about this for a second. What is my facial expression? What is my immediate posture? Am I, am I quick to be on the defensive? Or does that gentleness, that attribute of the fruit of the Spirit, does it work on me in such a way? I don't, I don't want to be intimidating to approach. And some of us in this room, just by posture and by how we don't even mean to, you can be more intimidating than others. That's been one of the prayers that I've had to pray. God, I don't want to come across my, I, I've talked about this before. Um, when I was in a pastoral role in Ohio, we, we sat on the platform. I'm going to tell you, that's a tough gig right there. Sit on the platform. Because anytime anybody's talking, people want to look at your face. I've lost, I've lost count of how many people in three and a half years, somebody said something in the pulpit and somebody came to me and said, I looked to see what you were doing. Was my facial expression validating? Well, and I've said this before, but I remember my wife and, and, and um, this was the only reason I could have my cell phone on the platform. My wife would text me during church and she would just say these words. You know them, don't you? You know what I'm going to say? Fix your face. Brother Marshall, I didn't like anything about that. I told you, we're praying. We're praying about it. Fix your face. Those were the three words. Because my natural, my natural, I'm all, I'm, I'm listening. I'm, I'm listening and I'm thinking. I'm not mad, but I look mad. I'm not upset, but I looked like I was upset. I wasn't being stern. I was loving what was being said. I, it was introspective. I was critically thinking through it all, processing. If you know me, I'm tying the narrative. If somebody's preaching, I am tying the narrative. You talk about David, I'm looking at the straps on his shoes. I'm thinking through, I'm th and my wife, fix you. You ever seen a concert, one of those weird choirs where everybody the whole time That's a, that's a force, right? But our posture, what does it mean to be gentle? What does it mean to be gentle? Well, I want to make sure that I'm considerate, first and foremost, to the will of God. But I want to make sure I'm considerate and gentle to my brother or to my sister. This is not, listen, this is not just something reserved for spouses. But let me take a moment and speak to spouses and tell you that we don't graduate the need for the fruit of the Spirit to be on display in our marriage. When you said, I do, and you ask God to be the center of your home, that's also part of it. And uh, to our younger demographic, if you're dating, or maybe you will be at some point, I need you to hear that very clearly, this gentleness, this attribute in the fruit of the Spirit. Now, not everybody's going to be walking around. It's not always walking through the tulips, is it? It's not, it's not always easy. Anybody, 
anybody besides me been challenged even this week? We're only four days into the week. If we start on Sunday, we're only four days into the week. You've had something said to you or something you endured at work, and it was challenging to be gentle in your response. The Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath, but sometimes, now you remember last time I taught, I talked about the 48-hour window. Oh, I can't tell you how many times I've heard about that since. 48 hours. I had some people waited 48 hours to talk to me about it. That was the only. <laughs> but being gentle in our demeanor and being able to receive from people, being able to hear and being able to have a gentle spirit. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Galatians 6 and verse 1. They're going to put it on the screen here. Brothers and sisters, if any one of you is caught in trans any transgression, you who are spiritual, led by the Spirit, this is the ESV if you're looking at KJV, led by the Spirit, having the fruit of the Spirit, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you be too tempted. Lest you be too tempted. If they're caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, should restore him in a spirit of what? Well, they're wrong, and I'm going to let everybody know. You may be right while you're wrong. How many know a gentle spirit goes a long way? How many believe in the restoration of people? I'm going to remind us as the body of Christ, we cannot be like him unless we believe in restoring people. And what's hitched to this is we cannot call ourselves spiritual unless we believe in restoring people. And I'm going to tell you this, it is hard to restore people without the fruit of the Spirit being at work. Say, so, well, I don't feel like being gentle. They're a knucklehead. They might be. They might be. But you can't think of it like you're restoring a piece of wood where you want to take the sandpaper to it. How many know there's things that only God can do? God's the only way they can take, that can take their sin away. I don't care how mean or how stern you would talk to them. Your tongue can't be strong enough and your intellect can't be wise enough to take the sin from their heart or their mind. But you can gently lead them through the process. He or spiritual restore. And we need to be a part of this process. We need to be brothers and sisters that restore others. Those who are spiritual produce restoration. They restore the fallen. They put back together and help with, how many know that we are working with him when we help mend the brokenhearted? Those who are carnal, please catch this, those who are carnal produce accusation, while those who are spiritual produce restoration. Those who are carnal produce accusation, they tear down and they destroy. This is a great statement to write down if you're, if you're a note taker. Gentleness is a quiet strength. Gentleness is a quiet strength. You don't have to be loud to be in charge. How many know that? I'm going to tell you some of the scariest times my mom ever had was when she said nothing. Anybody ever have that one teacher that you knew the dangerous time was when they went silent? I'm going to tell you, it's dangerous for hell. It really is. 
It's dangerous to hell at times when the church closes their mouth and refuse to join with the accusations of everyone else. There's voices everywhere lifted against them, but when they come to the church, if there's a voice that's lifted, it ought to be a voice that's welcoming them home and giving God praise and being a part of that restoration. Amen? In Charles Spurgeon, he, I received a devotional many years ago. Many of you might have it, morning and evening. His devotional for February 22nd reads this way, Jehovah is slow to anger. Brother Brown, we talk about this sometimes. Nobody really writes like this much anymore, so bear with me. When mercy cometh into the world, she driveth winged steeds. The axles of her chariot wheels are red hot with speed. But when wrath goes forth, it toileth on with tardy footsteps. For God taketh no pleasure in the sinner's death. God's rod of mercy is ever in his hands outstretched. The sword of justice in its scabbard held down by the pierced hand of love which bled for the sins of men. The Lord is slow to anger because he is great in power. He is truly great in power, he who hath power over himself. When God's power doth restrain himself, then it is power indeed. The power that binds omnipotence and uh, omnipresence surpassed. A man who has a strong mind can bear to be insulted long and only resents the wrong when a sense of right demands his action. The weak mind is irritated at a little. The strong mind bears it like a rock when it moveth not. Though a thousand breakers dash upon it and cast their pitiful um, uh, cast their pitiful malice and spray upon its summit, God marketh his enemies, and yet he bestirs not himself, but holdeth in his anger. If he were less divine than he is, he would long ere have sent forth the whole of his thunders and emptied the magazines of heaven. He, he would long ere this have blasted the earth with the wondrous fires of its lower regions and man would have been utterly destroyed. But the greatness of his power brings us mercy. Dear reader, what is your state this evening? Can you by humble faith look to Jesus and say, my substitute, thou art my rock, my trust. Then, beloved, be not afraid of God's power, for by faith you have fled to Christ for refuge. The power of God need no more terrify you than the shield and the sword of a warrior need terrify those whom he loves. Rather, rejoice that he who is great in power is your father and friend. And if God is slow to anger, may God give us the disposition and the fruit of the Spirit on display that we might be gentle and that we might be slow to anger. The second attribute tonight that I would like to look at and I even poked a little fun of when we began here was long-suffering. Long-suffering. If you're a parent, you have to be. But I would tell you if you're going to be a true follower of Christ, you must be. We must be long-suffering. I'm going to give us the more common word here, and that is patience. And some would argue whether these are the same. Many of us in this room, we know patience is not our strong suit. I wanted to throw up a picture here tonight for men during this season. Um, saw a great little picture the other day. It's a guy sitting in his car 
And the little caption on the window says something about he has food and water. He'll be back when I'm, or I'll be back when I'm done shopping. It's kind of this like, don't worry about him. Don't worry about my husband. I used to laugh when I was a kid when I would go to the mall and there would be these guys just sitting there. I'm at a stage in life, that's not funny. That makes great sense. I can get through the whole mall in 15 minutes. Max, that's a lot of time. That's buying everything I need. Who are my people in the house that shopping is a work in patience for you? I can tell some of you are like, mm-hmm. How many of you shopping is your happy place? Just be honest, shopping, you love it. Raise your hand. You're not going to be judged. I mean, we are starting financial peace um, in, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, I'm kind of kidding. Um, no, I understand that. But for some of us, it's, 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 in, it's just an endurance and dealing with the lines and dealing with the, so what does it mean? What is long suffering? What is patience? I don't want to think of it just from our own um, Americanized view, but I want to think about it here of endurance, long suffering, forbearance, endurance, slowness in avenging wrongs. Man, isn't that contrary to the world we live in? It is the quality of putting up with or tolerating others even when one is severely tried. The importance of patience is evidenced by its being most often used of the character of God. To be like Jesus. I started singing this on Sunday. To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. On earth, I long to be like him. How many grew up singing that song besides me? I want to remind us here tonight that if you start reading in the Old Testament and you read all the way through into the New Testament, you're going to find that He is a God that is long-suffering. He is a God that is patient. In fact, I might even ask this question on a Wednesday night. How many know when you look in the mirror, regardless of how nice you've dressed up tonight, when you look in the mirror, if you could answer truly to your heart of hearts, you know you are his long-suffering mercy on display. I tell you tonight is the one who teaches to you from his very word. I am the mercy and the long-suffering grace of God on display. And lest I ever come to a place where I want to be quick to judgment. I know I've dealt with this multiple times in this series. I, I, I want us to be very careful because the instant gratification that this particular season has a, uh, it, it seems to intensify this. See it, grab it, Amazon, buy it, Black Friday, purchase it, Cyber Monday, pull it in. It's 30% off. Well, it's 70% on. Okay. Didn't go over good. It was 100% right. Might have been 70% on, but it's 100% right. 
But if we're not careful, and the truth is, spend your money however you can and however you want. That's between you and your family and your checkbook and most importantly, God. That's great. Do all that. But if we're not careful, we treat our judgment towards people impulsively, quickly. We pray out of one breath, God, give me forgiveness and give me mercy. Lord, forgive me. But we ourselves bring judgment. We have to learn how to be long-suffering. How, how often should we forgive? How many remember that Christ was asked this question? And what was his response? How many times should I forgive? Ooh, how many know that's a challenge? How many could have done without that whole love your enemies thing? Wouldn't you like a little license, a little allowance? Yeah, but they've been real mean. I've talked about it before. Some of us, especially us men, have taken great liberties with that fact that he flipped the tables. The whips and the, listen, it's not a license, again, for us to be quick to be angry with people. We've got to have a long temper, not a short one. Come on, let me just talk where the rubber meets the road right here. Well, my dad had a short temper, so I've got a short temper. Wrong. Nah, it's, oh man, ooh, boom, hit it. I'm staying for a second. Sorry, it got so normal. You've used that excuse for 20 years that you can't keep from talking like you've got no sense when you get mad. Don't you tell me that the same tongue that talks in tongues I'm not saying you won't get mad. You will get mad. You will say something you want back. It's that illustration. It's that squeezing the toothpaste. You can't get it back. Let me tell you what you can say. S-O-R-R-Y. Sorry. You can say sorry. But what you can do, if you will learn, if you will train, you will Get your composure. How many know you can't stay alive without breathing? You need it. For some of you. Let me talk to Brother Jared Turner. Father, got some young children. One of your greatest gifts is this right here in your future. real slow and awkward at least 10 of those get as much oxygen as you possibly can circulating two things it's going to help you be more rational it's going to help them run for their life you you <laughs> long suffering They've done me wrong so many times. Listen, I want you to make sure you understand what I'm talking about here. I am not talking about you repeatedly putting yourself in an abusive situation. It's very important that we catch what I'm saying. This is a sensitive part, but I want to be, 
I'm not talking about you putting yourself into a place where you're verbally or you're physically, you're assaulted or abused and you say, well, I'm supposed to be long-suffering. That's the fruit of the Spirit. No, you need, you, you need to set up a meeting. You need to see a counselor. And I'm going to tell you right now, if anybody's physically assaulting you, you need to call the law. Period. And if anybody doesn't like it, come meet with me. I'll tell you why you're wrong. I'm sorry, we deal with a lot of crazy stuff in this world. Nobody has the right to be beating anybody up. Come on now. Long-suffering does not mean you're a punching bag for somebody. Boy, I feel something right there. Verbally or emotionally. But what does it mean that I'm long-suffering? That I'm, that I'm trying to use... Make this a long fuse. I'm going to tell you, as silly as that seems, to some of us, we have to pray that. God, help my short fuse, my short temper. I need you to lengthen it a little bit. I need you to help me to process. I need you to help me to process intellectually what it means, what has to happen. I say it to men this way. A lot of times we deal with men, maybe short-tempered or short-fused. Uh, somebody that is a fisherman, let me talk to you this way. Before you ever cast, there is a litany of things that have to happen, even if you've got the pole. But let's imagine that you don't. You've got to go and buy the pole. You've got to buy the string, the fisher, the line. You've got to have that, that reel to be spun properly. You, you've got to have that bait. You've got to put the hook, the bait on. You've got to tie it. How many know it? Not just any knot. Any fisherman in the room, you know if somebody ties a knot. You ever laughed at somebody tying a knot? You're a fisherman. If you've laughed at somebody else's not tie that you get it done meticulously. There's a lot of steps that go on into that before you cast. Okay. Because of what you're trying to catch. If you're not, if you're not worried about what you catch, then you don't put much thought into what you cast. And if you don't care what your response is, then you don't need to put any thought into what you say. But I see people that have terrible responses and then they're confused by what they catch in return. We've got to learn how to sow. Mm. Man, I've stumbled into something here tonight. We've, we've got to try to be like him. So I've got to think through the steps of what I'm doing here. Let's, let's, look at, let's look at a little bit of text here together with this. Usually in the New Testament, it's talking about patient endurance, some, some wrong or some suffering that's happened to you. Romans 14, 19, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, things wherewith one may edify another. How many knows the body is supposed to edify? The body is supposed to edify. Colossians 3, 12 and 13, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, Humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. I told someone this very day, and I'm going to tell it to the whole body. Forgiveness is the gift you give yourself. To forgive someone is not to validate their action. I had someone look at me today and say, I, I told him, I said, I feel like I'm supposed to tell you, you think that if you forgive them, you're validating what they did. That's not forgiveness. 
There's still a consequence to the action. You forgiving them is saying, I don't have any real estate in my heart to let bitterness grow because I refuse to forgive you. I'm not validating what you did. Your actions were wrong, but I forgive you. Does that make sense? I can't be long-suffering unless I'm able to do that. Thank God he has forgiven me over and over and over again. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? In other words, long-suffering is the ability to put up with people because of the characteristic that made God put up with me now dominates my mind. Why? Why? How do you stand them? How many know sometimes you'll love people you don't like? You don't, I'm not saying you're going to go on long car rides together. I'm not saying they're coming to your house every week for dinner. But long suffering, even if their personality grates on you. I've got to forgive them. I've got to be long suffering. Long-suffering, that ability to put up with them. Believers are commanded to emulate their Lord's patience along with fellow believers. Ephesians 4 and 2, showing forbearance to one another in love. 1 Timothy. I'll try to move ahead here. I spent a little time there. 1 Timothy 1.16. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long-suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. First Timothy 1.16 in the NLT reads this way, But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. What a statement, right? Listen to it again. I know you've heard a lot of texts. Listen to this again. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. But the guy, and that is not, does not sound like a compliment. I'm, I'm, I'm God's greatest example of patience. With all, with, think about it, with the worst of sinners. That's what Paul's telling the young man here. He's telling Timothy, I'm, I'm the guy. You know what Paul was doing? He was showing through this humility the long-suffering. And, and we know, you read about it. We know that Paul, even Paul himself, had a struggle with this. Remember, Paul himself has confrontation. Being spiritual does not keep you from confrontation. Being spiritual does not keep you from aggravation. You get aggravated. Somebody says, oh, Pastor Carson, talk about the gentleness and the long-suffering, and you shouldn't have any. You're going to get aggravated. I can feel somebody, oh, good. Okay. Woo. I've been doing it wrong for a long time. I, you're going to get aggravated. You're going to, and you might even mess up. 
You might even say things you wish you had, but, but you've got to strive, and I've, I've got to strive to be long-suffering. And when I come to the recognition, I, I might even have to say, uh, give this calling for, for, for Mark. I might have to give this, this profitable to the ministry call. I might have to come back to this recollection and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I was too quick to judge me. A man or a woman that cannot admit their fault is not strong in the kingdom of God. You've got to be able to admit fault. You've got to be able to acknowledge it. Thank God for his, thank God for his mercy and his grace for being long-suffering for us. Our last one, self-control. Oh, wouldn't this change our world right now? Wouldn't this change our world? How many of us self-control would have changed our Thanksgiving? <laughs> don't meddle, Pastor. Don't meddle. You've been doing okay. I'm a little bored, but you're doing pretty good. You just don't, don't meddle. Don't get on it. <laughs> self-control. 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 I'm saying it redundantly on purpose. I wonder what would happen to our generation if they would become baptized with self-control. I'll tell you what would stop the perversion that's rampant. The immorality, the lasciviousness that's on a rampage. Eat whatever we want, say whatever we want, talk however we want, go wherever we want, post on social media, whatever we want. Uh, not people that are full of the Spirit. Not people that are full of the Spirit. I cannot speak in tongues in this church on Sunday and type whatever I want on Monday. You don't have to like it for it to be true. It's self-mastery. It's self-restraint. The virtue of one who masters his desires and passions, especially sensual appetites, is what this is talking to. Who has conquered the love of pleasure. It is the quality that gives victory over fleshly desires, which is therefore closely related to uh, chastity, both in mind and in conduct. It is that great quality which makes a man able to live and to walk in the world and yet keep his garments unspotted from the world. I've said it many times and the elders always said it this way. We are in the world, but we are not of the world and our self-control helps to make it evident. And there are many peoples that want to speak of grace while they never speak of truth. And yet this text would so obviously and openly tell you that you cannot have truth without grace and you cannot have grace without truth. They work together in this manner. And to say that there is no need for self-control or self-restraint is a lie. There is a way to live for God. And I know that the preaching of the gospel is to them that perish foolishness. It's, it's, but we love this word. We love this gospel. We love what it teaches us to do. Secular Greek uses it 
of the virtue of an emperor who never lets his private interest influence the government of his people. It's the virtue which makes a man so master of himself that he is fit to be the servant of others. I've tried to tell my children, don't you ever play the do you know who my dad is card. That'll get you in more trouble. Don't, don't, you, don't, don't you ever let me hear that you said, oof. And if you think I'm going to be hard on them. Don't, we don't play that game. Don't get, we, don't, we don't get to, I'll do whatever I want because his grace will bail me out. How many know we got, mm, I want to be kind with the way I say this. But this, um, this sloppy agape, this, uh, do whatever you want. There's no need for self-restraint. There's no reason for self-control. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not in this book. That is not in this book. There's got to be, there's got to be some restrictions. There's got to be some boundaries. There's got to be some, ah, there doesn't need to be, that, that, that doesn't need to be secure. That, that, that's overboard. Let me ask you a question. Do you want just anybody to have your social security number? You want just anybody to have your bank account? You wouldn't write with temporal things, temporal things of this world. We're living in a world right now where young men and young women are giving away their bodies. Come on, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead since I'm here. We're living in a world where even people that are in the church think that what they put in their body doesn't matter. What they put on their body doesn't matter. The grace of God covers all of that. His grace covers your sin, but we don't continue in sin. Why do we live this way? We have self-control. The same self-control that helps me not to react in a... That I take my breath or I take my 48 hours or I take my time. The same self-control is the same self-control. We can also call it this integrity. That when nobody's around to watch what you watch. When nobody is around to listen to what you listen to. Or to hear your dialogue. Or, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Let me ask you this question. How many, of you, how many of you out here, you grow a garden? You do a garden? Raise your hand at me if you do a garden. Yeah, several, probably 100 people in the room maybe. You grow a garden. You go out there. Some of you use that special fertilizer, whatever it is, and you go out there, and, and there's that one day. I'll never forget. I'll never forget, Mom, this last year when the watermelons finally showed up. They were little, but they were watermelons when they showed up. I'm so excited. But here's the simple truth, and please catch this. The same watermelons that we recognized in the daylight were there in the darkness of the night before. The fruit is not only there when it's visible to everyone else. Somebody ought to write that down. The fruit of the Spirit should not only be on display when people can say, oh man, they really, they're, they're a good person. Let me ask you, is it more important that God is impressed with your lifestyle or that others. But the only way that the fruit can be partaken of in the light 
is if it's evident in the darkness as well. If through the dark places of my life and the private places and times of my life, I am allowing something to be produced in the Spirit through my time of devotion and prayer and faithful walking with Him, if I will allow that to be produced so that when I am put to the test and I am confronted with the opportunity that then the fruit of the Spirit that has been being produced in the private time of my life can then be on display in that moment when it's so needed. When someone needs it, when someone needs to watch it from you. My oldest son gets frustrated with me because I've used these words so, so many times when he is acting or doing something. He has younger siblings. He's heard me say these words probably a thousand times. Careful your teaching. Careful your teaching, your training. I hope that we as disciples of the Lord can be teaching those around me, those around us, what it looks like to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Stand with me. God, we want to serve you with gladness. We know that the fruit of the Spirit is not possible without the Spirit. The Holy Ghost is mandatory. It is a gift that has been promised. And with your Spirit, with your Spirit, I'm able to have on display the fruit of the Spirit. That I'm able to have on display these things that are contrary to who I would be if I simply operated in my own flesh. Not based on my family history. Not based on simply my upbringing, but based on who I am in you. I've become a new creature in you. Crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Not I, but Christ lives in me. Let the characteristic, let the attributes of your spirit, let them be on display in our lives, we pray it, that we might tip the scales, that we might tip the scales against the flesh and the lusts of the flesh, that we might walk after the spirit. We pray it in Jesus' name. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Amen.